This is Fiona Maynard welcoming you to another Viewpoint podcast. This podcast was recorded on December the 13th, 2023. It was part of the WHC's Learning Exchange programme. And at any learning exchange, there are usually up to four speakers and participants can get to hear at least two speakers of their choosing. This particular learning exchange was based on themes about Israel. And this talk was given by Daniel Marcus, who is Director of Campus Affairs, Stand With Us. The Stand With Us organization is an Israeli education charity. The title of Daniel's talk was How to Answer Questions About Israel and the Gaza War. And this edited version explains how to respond to questions from friends and colleagues about the current situation. Hello everybody, my name is Daniel Marcus. I'm the Director of Campus Affairs at Stand With Us UK. Um, what my job is, is I travel to university campuses across the country um, year-round, uh, supporting Jewish and Zionist students um, on whatever university campuses they happen to find themselves on, um, talking about Israel, expressing their relationship with Israel, and especially since uh, the start of October, um, defending Israel uh, against what you would call a continuous onslaught. And there's always a continuous onslaught. Uh, however, usually it's just a few um, a few students who are a bit like myself and love getting into a fight that are actually fighting it. Now the, uh, the uh, paradigm has shifted and it's almost like every single Jewish student um, is suddenly finding themselves having to defend uh, Israel constantly in all of their classes, uh, courses, from their fellow students, professors, and on, on the street. Um, it's quite a challenging time, uh, as I'm sure you, you're all feeling, um, and it can be hard to know where to start if you find yourself in a conversation um, that you weren't expecting to have, having to constantly defend every element of every aspect of the, uh, the war in Israel. Um, I generally encourage people to be as you know, read up on the situation as they can be, because I think the best way to counter... Uh, misinformation and negative narratives is to have as many of the facts as possible. Um, however, um, even before that, I think you just have to have the fundamental confidence to uh, begin the conversation. And the fundamental confidence, I would say, is based in your general identity. Um, identity politics is the, you know, it's the, it's a very modern term, but it's essentially your lived experience or whatever your culture is. Um, it gives you the right to speak on a specific subject. You find yourself in conversations. Um, you know, as a Jew being pushed into a conversation about Israel, um, the fundamental foundation is always going to be the the foundational Zionist narrative, which is why does Israel exist as a state? Um, and I'm sure uh, I'm not really teaching you anything to say it's uh, the reasons for Zionism as, as a uh, the basis for a the right to uh, our state in our indigenous homeland and a state self-determination as the Jewish people is quite a uncontroversial and easy thing to start as a basis. The history of 20th century anti-Semitism and prior has necessitated um, Jewish people to have a state by which they can defend themselves. We have been proven time and again to not be safe from anti-Semitism wherever it may be or wherever it may come from, um, which has necessitated uh, a safe haven uh, and where else but the indigenous homeland 
of the Jews, which is Israel. Aboriginal indigenous, by the way, which means that we have a historic um, and our culture has evolved in relation to that land. So uh, you can use that term as well, Aboriginal indigenous. Um, so that, that's just laying the foundational basis. Why am I having this conversation about Israel? Why is it being tied to me? Because I am a Jew. This is my history. This is my land. Um, let's start there. Um, things, a couple of things I think are worthwhile talking about uh, in this current milieu of the Gaza war um, and the situation we find ourselves in are what exactly is Hamas? The reason I want to talk about that specifically is because I think that sets the tone of the entire conversation that people appear to be having at the moment on university campuses and in the workspace. Um, because the, if, I'm, if I'm right, the, the, the general uh, situation that you'll be uh, presented with is that Israel is occupying and committing uh, a genocide, an ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians in Gaza, um, which, they have been which they have been oppressing for... And Biden's uh, now come out with indiscriminate bombing. Um, yes, yeah. Acted through uh, a campaign of indiscriminate, indiscriminate bombing, careless, civi careless civilian casualties in, serve, in service of an ethnic, uh, in service of an ethnic agenda. Ultimately, we are being accused of being ethnic genociders of the of the Palestinians, um, as we want the entire land to ourselves, um, as can be evidenced by the, the large number of, say, civilian casualties. Um, and, and the, the narrative perception of the history. So the only real way to counter this is to, uh, is to lay out the context as is. Uh, and it's what we find ourselves on the back foot. If you, know, if you take a, you say this number of Palestinians are killed versus this number of Israelis, how can you explain this disparity? Surely that is evidence of genocide. Well, you have to say, well, let's actually look at the specifics of this, pe of this of this number numeric disparity, take a step back, what's actually happened, how have we got to this point? Um, which is why I think at the moment, um, what you should know about and what you should be able to talk about with some confidence is Hamas. The goal of Hamas is to maximise civilian casualties and devastation of their own population by which to facilitate international aid, which they steal. That is, that is the pattern by which they operate. And they use all of the ethical components of how the IDF operate and how the Israelis operate in order to maximise um, in order to maximise uh, this scheme. They have no interest in Palestinian re resistance. They have no viable interest in establishing a Palestinian state. Um, they are pure, their their entire agenda is written around the the destruction of the Jewish people and the destruction of Israel. Something that they have no feasible. Uh, no feasible uh, means of doing in actuality, only in, in continuous acts of aggression and, and civilian casualties. Uh, they don't have a military uh, advantage over Israel. So what they, they have is they have, a paras they have parasitized the Palestinian people uh, in order to continuously aggravate uh, uh, continuously aggravated militaristic responses from Israel, which result in further further civilian casualties, further devastation, the denigration of Israel's international reputation, um, and um, large amounts of international aid, which they then steal. Um, the how, how do we prove that they've got no interest in Palestinian liberation? If they had an interest in Palestinian liberation, you would think there would be some attempt at conversation, some attempt at uh, some attempt at recognition or reconciliation between uh, the leadership of Hamas um, and Israel. Uh, there never has been. 
Um, in fact, the fact that they use their own people as human shields. They use their own people as human shields, and they educate them and brainwash them in order to to have a value structure, which which to have a value structure which seems martyrdom at the height. Externally, it's not seen that way. No, it's not. So to prove that to somebody, mm. can, can I just is, make? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's just well, you know. Can I just make a comment? So for sure, I, I um, I'm a bit of a. Twitter Warrior X or whatever it's called now and I, I get involved in lots of different spats on that mm-hmm. and I have a general rule which is as soon as anyone mentions occupation apartheid, genocide and ethnic cleansing I, I walk away because the, the, the general theme from those people that I speak to is that um, when you start giving them facts they just call you a liar mm. <laughs> yeah. and that, they just say that Israel, Israel, Israel just lies constantly okay. so baby, killing, just baby killing liars mm-hmm. Iron Nazis, 100% so, so, and there is, a, there is a, a real problem which is a narrative perception that any information that comes from Israel is automatically can be perceived as false, and any information that comes from uh, comes from Hamas or uh, the various bodies that it produces, including its health ministry, which is such an ironic uh, term, um, its figures, its uh, its data, um, which is almost always inflated or skewed to to pursue a particular narrative. Um, great example of that, by the way, would be the Al Ahly hospital bombing. Um, were is Israel is lying to you, and the things they're telling you are not true. There, uh, and we're telling the truth. And, and for some reason, uh, nobody's learned this lesson. And again and again and again, um, they they buy these lies. You know, I I go through it. I understand why you don't want to. You know, when at the moment it's apartheid, it's genocide, it's whatever that you switch off. I think that's a fair strategy uh, because it is exhausting. However, I I have I believe that there are people that. Um, have bought into the narrative or sell that narrative, you're never going to change their opinions, ever. Um, there are people who are actually open-minded, um, and maybe they're not the ones you're having the discussion with, but they may be the ones that, you're, that, are, that are watching it or present when you have it or, uh, or reading that comment section. I, I'm, not, I'm not such a big um, online, uh, online debater and activist myself because I feel like I, I waste my time and I don't even know who these people are. But I have these conversations on campuses um, often, and I often find that you know if I'm having a stall at a university campus and I've, I've really dragged it out with a conversation with someone about whether or not Israel is an apartheid, I find that person will leave in a huff, um, or at best, uh, you know, begrudgingly shake my hand, um, which I think is a real win, by the way. <laughs> um, but it will be the people around around me who are saying, you know, what I hadn't considered that perspective. So. When you're getting into a debate with these people, you have to know that the the audience of your debate is almost never the person that you're actually having the discussion with. But how you conduct yourself in those situations um, and the people surrounding you are are are, are of value because most most people. When we do surveys of British people, you know, most people over sixty three percent of people do not support Hamas. They're more supportive of us. But I think we've become more. Of course, of course, but the British, but the British have this uh, this politeness about them where yes. they they don't really want to get in trouble. They don't want to yeah. cause a fuss. They they believe they find argument yeah. argument itself to be a, an impoliteness. So they will never engage in it. But they are listening. I do disagree that most people don't care. I think they, they do. do. I think they, they do, do care. Think and I think there are also s- significant narratives that um, beyond the, the Jewish community and beyond our own our own experience right now. That we should take into consideration. I think a lot of British people, for example, you know, British people um, have a strong understanding of terrorism, um, especially in the wake of the you know, 2015 to 2017, uh, and we had 7/7 as well. 
um, and I know, and even 9-11's penetrated the British national conscience. We're, we're quite aware... And well, Ariana Grande. Grande and the Ariana Grande. I, I forgot about the Ariana Grande yeah. concert bombing. Yes, exactly. So I, th- I think there is, there, is a, there is a real sympathy, and there's also a general feeling, which is the erosion of the, erosion of the, the Western value as well. And so I, I think you can't go into this with a defeatist mindset. You actually have to think that you might find common ground, because there are, there are several, <coughs> several areas of common ground that we can find with that. In terms of how we got here with Hamas, I think it's also very just just being being uh, sharp on that element of history is is necessary. Uh, 1967, um, after the Six Day War, um, the territory was taken over from Egypt, uh, Gaza. Um, it was then occupied, if you want to use that term. Uh, I, I, I don't mind using it. Um, and there were Israeli settlements within within Gaza. Uh, However, you know, so some of these settlements are very old, and, and actually, the, one of the oldest uh, Jewish continu- continuously uh, populated Jewish communities uh, in the history of uh, Israel was in Gaza. So, you know, even just saying that it was occupied, it's not like we European we European colonizers came in and said Gaza, I'll be having that. Um, what's more, um, most Jews uh, aren't from Europe, uh, etc. Um, so then, um, uh, if we skip, let's say, to the the, the second Intifada. It's probably when it's probably when the, the massive change in, in directions, and we have these continuous uh, infiltrations into Israel, and that's when we see suicide bombings. Um, um, but uh, as a result of uh, you know, the, the continuous pressure, uh, the second intifada, and uh, the pressure uh, for there to be a land peace swap in 2005, um, Israel very painfully pulls out of Gaza, pulls its own its own uh, peoples out. So it was really, it was not like, oh, you know, we, we shouldn't have had, we shouldn't have had Gaza in the first place, and then we left, cheeky us. It's like, no, this was a place where we had strong roots and strong attachments and strong infrastructure been built up, for example. Um, very, very strong um, agricultural infrastructure um, following the, the pullout of Gaza. Was it a mistake by Sharon to uh, unilaterally withdraw from Gaza then? You know what, I don't know. I mean, obviously, after October 7th, it seems that way, doesn't it? Um, but you know who, who can say? I, I, th- I think had we not pulled out of Gaza, it would have been said if you only, you know, if you if Israel would only withdraw from territory, there would be peace. It's the same narrative for the West Bank. If Israel would only withdraw, all problems would solve itself. Um, Gaza is the ultimate counterfactual to that. Look, you, Israel withdraw, Israel withdraws, and uh, what happens? Uh, bad actors dominate. The Hamas wins the election in two thousand and five. Uh, what was it seven? Two thousand seven. Yeah. Uh, in two thousand seven, they immediately they have the Battle of Gaza. They immediately kill uh, all of Fatah, who was their main political opponent, or Fatah, or the Palestinian Authority, um, and institute a totalitarian Islamic uh, regime. And it's continuous. Uh, it's continuous rockets and uh, and violence and violence from that point onwards. Um, so Israel says, well, you know, I'll do every defensive measure that I can do. Um, in the hopes that I don't have to engage in conflict, because as we know, when we engage in conflict in Gaza, we're the bad guys. So that's the uh, you know that's the Iron Dome, that's the blockades, that's the etc. But now we're blockading the sea, and uh, now we're we're, we're uh, Gaza is an open air prison. So there was no way for us to win the narrative war. The problem is, uh, it's it, Gaza, Gaza and Hamas are an unsolvable problem for any country. If this was your problem to solve, what would you do? Why, why is it that the universities have become quite so 
because from what you were saying about the age groups before, actually the middle to the older age groups are reasonably sympathetic. But from what I read, the universities and the young people are the ones that are really far more likely to be pro-Palestinian. University, this is this is not just a Jewish problem, but we're the the canary in the coal mine as always. Um, universities have been become dominated by left-wing political activists um, who have, um, following the you know the, the philosophy of uh, Antonio Gramsci, marched to the institutions, captured uh, all of the teaching positions, all of the humanities, and are starting to enter the STEM uh, and replaced all of all of the teaching ideologies with a with a, a political ideology that's the, that is essentially uh, neo neo-Marxism, you could call it. Uh, and it, through the neo-Marxist lens, it's very easy to look at Israel. You've got your oppressor, your oppressed, your bourgeoisie, and your proletariat, your Israel and your Palestinian. Sorted. Don't have to think any more about that conflict. It's much, much worse than just Israel-Palestine. It's every single thing you can think about. It's race, it's gender, etc. Um, yeah. That's uh, something that's been then married with um, a large influx of students who come from, who already have, let's say, biases on the Israel-Palestine conflict. A lot of international students, for example. You, you turn up into a university campus and you think to yourself, everyone in the world must hate Israel. But actually, it's like, this is a curated space. So, yeah. Any other questions? How do you counter people who say the settlers are taking land from the Palestinians? Well, you could actually use Gaza as a counterfactual. You can say, look... Um, Israel has tried to establish peace with the Palestinian Authority or within, and the establishment of a Palestinian state time and time and time again, you know, from the Peel Commission all the way up to, I guess the last one was the Trump plan. Um, and every single time, even when they've been offered 97% of the West Bank, um, they've, uh, they've rejected the plan. So the idea that this is about land, um, it seems a little bit, uh, seems, seems a little bit dishonest. Moreover, when we did unilaterally withdraw, no one was happy anyway, and we ended up with Gaza as it is today. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm I'm no fan of settlements, and I think uh, you know a lot of a lot of the settlers they aggravate things. They they aren't a lot of them are racist, and they're or they're they're impolite to the Palestinians, or you know, and some of them have actually uh, done a horrendous violence. And you know, I don't even want to talk about Baruch Goldstein and, and the Kahanists, uh, but uh, you know, they're they're a huge they're, they are a huge problem, and they're they're very bad very bad PR. But is the are the settlements really the problem? They're not very. Are the settlements the barrier to peace? Yes. I mean, in terms of uh, being able to advocate for Israel at this level, our level, I mean, is there some kind of reading list you could recommend? I am an employee of Stand With Us UK, and Stand With Us UK uh, and Stand With Us International are a large producer of educational resources and materials, so I would encourage you to uh, use ours because of it. I would say that. How helpful is it firing complaints to the BBC complaint procedure on email for every time? Hard done, like useless. Complain to Ofcom. Don't complain to the BBC. To complain to Ofcom. Yeah, and do email your your local MPs and do email your local councillors because um, there's only so many emails they will get in a day, and if three of them are from you, that's pretty good. Um, so you know, it does make a difference being loud and annoying. That's what we're good at. We might as well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we well capitalise. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you very much. Absolutely brilliant.